How are we all? Are we good? It's great to see you guys. Welcome along. Welcome online, everyone who's tuning in. Uh, for those of you who are here and you want to share this, I won't, I won't get cross if you pull your phone out and you like and share and you send that on to your family and friends. Um, I just really believe God's got a great word for us this morning. Uh, I'm excited about what he's going to do and say. And uh, yeah, we just welcome you all. Just a couple of really quick things that we want to make note of. Um, we're gonna, we've been doing coffee out there. So for those of you who are keen to make 11 o'clock your service, your home service, if you want to come like early after church, we're going to be meeting out there as long as it's not raining. Um, but we've got a fire out there. We've got all sorts of great stuff happening and coffee happening out there. Just a chance for everyone to be able to gather together. We can't gather inside, but we can gather outside. And so it's a beautiful opportunity to catch up with people from the nine o'clock service and do some life together around the fire. Amen. But it's not Oc Health and Safety regulated to have a fire in a courtyard. Uh, so I should just make note <laughs> that you are responsible for your children around the fire. Uh, tick. <laughs> there we go. Great. Fantastic. Uh, the other thing we have up on the walls is obviously, like, we have, we have significant needs in this church in terms of serving. We would love to be able to offer kids ministry at our 11 o'clock service, not just our 9 o'clock uh, and to do that, we are just calling for some volunteers. So if you're someone who's like, yep, we're in, we want to put up our hand, we want to serve, then we would love to invite you into that space. We also have a number of other things that you can participate in in the life of this church from care, crisis care, making meals to youth ministry to set up and pack down and production and band. There's so many areas. So we just invite you to participate in that and you can just write your name up outside on a piece of butcher's paper, and then we can get in contact with you. Is that good? Wonderful, fantastic. Uh, quickly pray and then let's get into it. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, that it is alive and active. And we just know that, um, yeah, you're going to speak to us this morning as you always do. So we just thank you, Father. We give you praise and honor. Amen. Okay, we are in a series on the book of Hebrews. Who is keen and excited for the book of Hebrews? Last, last week we began this series and we, we talked about a lot of things. We unpacked this idea that this whole book is about the, uh, the supremacy of Christ over all things. Uh, and that it is deep, it is complex, it is wonderfully rich in terms of its theological content. It is a glorious, magnificent letter, but at its core is a fundamentally very simplistic message, which is in light of all the things that this author is about to unpack Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll say it over and over and over again. Jesus is supreme. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And a part of this, he talks about the types and shadows. And we talked about that last week as well. If you missed that, go and check it out online. But the types and shadows, the Old Testament has all these magnificent um, illustrations. It's got real life things, real life religious activities that people did, real life events that occurred. And all of these things are pointing towards Christ. Every single one of them. They're talking, and this is what the author wants us to see, that the Old Testament is a unified story that points to Jesus. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so as we come today, we're going to look at two of these types. And what the author is going to show us is that Jesus is supreme over angels and the law. That Jesus is supreme over the, the spiritual being, angelic hosts, that he is, 
He is greater than them. And because he's greater than them, he's greater than the Torah, greater than the first five books of the Bible, greater than the old covenant is our Lord and Savior. And so that's basically where we're going to go today. But before I do that, I need to quickly just make reference because in our, uh, in our culture today, really we've, even, we've rejected this whole premise that angels are even real. Uh, we've sort of rejected the fact that these spiritual beings exist. And I just need to declare, again, we don't have the time to unpack this. I said this morning, as I was preparing this this week, this, this text that we're about to look at, it's, it's like a really big oak tree, right? You know, there are so many beautiful branches that you could just go on that tangent and you could have enough, you know, glorious whatever it is to sustain you for for however long, like there's so much, I found myself going down that tangent and that tangent and that tangent, uh, and yet coming back to just the simplistic message that this is. So pray that we don't go on too many tangents today. Um, but as, as we come to this passage and we have a look at this, he's declaring that angels are real, that there is this, these spiritual beings called angels. And this is an assumed truth of the author to these people, and we need to just know that, and we need to understand that, and uh, like I can tell so many stories of where things in this supernatural sort of idea that are beyond the material world that we see and touch and feel. Uh, my a good friend of mine was pastoring. He's, he was a teacher, and he became a pastor. He was going through a really difficult time. He took on an old dying church that didn't want to move, that was resisting everything he was doing, and we were meeting and praying together and uh, just trying to encourage him and say, you know, God's put something on your heart. Keep pressing into this stuff. And as he, uh, as we were praying and believing for that one day, he rang me up and he said, mate, like, bro, you would not believe it. I fed income. He's a good country bloke. He goes, I fed income. Reckon I've just been visited by an angel. And I was quite, well, I was doubting. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, yeah, whatever, champion. But Go on, tell me your story. And he just told me this incredible story. He said he was in the auditorium of the church. He was walking around. He was praying over the church, praying over the people as he was wrestling with what was going on. And he said this kind of homeless looking guy just walked in off the street, walked into the auditorium and just started encouraging him and just started saying things like, you know, God's on the move in this place. And Jeremy was like, what are you talking about? No, he's not. It's really hard work. This is... Like, this sucks at the moment. He's like, no, I just, like, God's on the move. I can see great things happening in this place. And this, this homeless-looking fellow just started speaking these wonderful, wonderful encouragements over Jeremy's life and ministry and over the church. And, uh, like, Jeremy was like, what is, what's going on here? And so then he started sort of saying, well, who are you? Like, where are you from? And this guy just started saying, like, he goes, oh, I'm not from around here, but I'm here to encourage you. I've just got a message of hope. I've got a message of encouragement. He goes, no, seriously, who are you? Like, are you, are you from down there? Are you from over here? He goes, no, you know, I'm around the place, but I'm, I just have come to bring you a message of hope. And so then he started quizzing. He's like, what's going on here? And so then he started quizzing him even more, like theologically started asking questions. And this guy just started rattling off these incredibly deep, profound answers where Jeremy is a pastor. He was like jaw to the ground, like, what the heck? <laughs> and he, like, even him, he's going, I need to check scripture. And like, he was just so stirred up in this moment by this guy. And after about 45 minutes, this guy said, oh, I better go. And so he left. And in that moment, 
Jeremy's like, oh, I forgot to give him a connect card because that's what we do in church so we can connect you to the life of the community. So he was like, wait, wait, wait. And he's run off to grab the connect card so he could, you know, fill him in on the information. And he said it wouldn't have been more than 20 seconds, like not even enough time for this guy to get to, out of the car park. And he was gone. Nowhere to be seen. Just disappeared. And so he's running all over the place trying to find him, completely gone. And he says he's never, ever seen him ever, ever again. And so he was just like, what just happened? Like he was sort of stirred in his heart. And sometimes, you know, the scripture tells us later on in the book of Hebrews that sometimes we shouldn't give up uh, being hospitable because we may entertain angels without even knowing it. And so there's this sense that, that God is, he's got his angelic uh, beings that are there as messengers of God to serve and to invest in people. But then there's also other stories. And I'll tell, I told this wrong this morning. Joe was telling me this after the nine o'clock. Uh, I didn't add enough detail. You see, uh, my sister-in-law, so Joe's little sisters who shared a room growing up, um, they, they have a story. And both of them attested this, that one of them was having nightmares, and she just kept having nightmare after nightmare after nightmare. Uh, and uh, she was talking to her parents about it. And they said, look, you know, God's with you. His angels surround you. Like just those sorts of answers. Just pray and God will be with you and all this stuff. And so one night she was having, she woke up from a nightmare and she was terrified. And so then she said, God, show me your angels. Show me your angel. I just want to see an angel. And 100% fair income in that moment, this massive bright glowing figure just appeared in her room so much so that it woke up her sister who will also testify that this is true and happened and in this moment this massive angel fills whatever it was filled the room this bright glorious glowing being and it was so terrifying apparently he was just like take it away take it away take it away I don't want to because it's frightening me and both of them say that this happened and I share those two stories simply just to say, hey, there is more to this world than meets the eye. There, as the Bible would declare it, there is an angelic realm. There is a spiritual realm. Angels are real. Angels are true. And they have a purpose. And that purpose is to be messengers of God. So let's go to the book of Hebrews and we'll get stuck into the word. Uh, we're basically looking at chapters 1 and 2, but we're going to bookend it. And then we're going to come back and have a look at a few things. So we're going to start in verse 4. Hebrews 1, verse 4 through 8 says, So he, Jesus, became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. And as we jump across to chapter 2, verse 14, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, humanity. For this reason, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, 
in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to the service of God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is such an awesome passage. So what the author of Hebrews is going to do here is he's going to just basically say, hey, Jesus is greater. Jesus is supreme over the angels. And because he's supreme over the angels, he is therefore supreme over the word which was delivered through the angels. You need to understand that the Jewish people knew that God's law, God's word came to humanity through angels. Deuteronomy 33.2. It talks about the fact that God sent his message and they were the messengers. They delivered the word. And so what the author of Hebrews wants us to see is that because Jesus is greater than the angels, therefore his word carries more weight. Therefore his message is greater than the message that came through angels. Are you with me? And so This is a powerful proclamation that Jesus is greater, not only than these incredibly powerful, revered spiritual beings who when people all through Scripture, when my sister-in-law saw, was like falling to their knees and the angel had to say, fear not. They trembled in the sight of these beings, but these beings pale in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ. And therefore the message that was given through them also pales in significance because the word that Jesus brought is the fulfillment of everything that came through the angelic hosts. And this is what he wants us to see. And he's going to show us through four things. He's going to just highlight four quick ways that Jesus is greater. And he's going to teach through this. And then in the the middle of this, he brings this incredible punchy take home. Because all through this book is a word and a warning. And so he's going to give us this, he's going to teach it, and then he's going to say, hey, take this home. So that's how we're going to look at it today. There's four things, and if you're a note taker, or you want to write this down, whatever you want to do, the the title of the message mimics these four things, that Jesus is our king, champion, brother, and priest. King, champion, brother, and priest. How is Jesus greater than the angels? Firstly, he is our king. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 9. Actually, let's go from, I did this this morning too. Go from verse eight, part B. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. That day is gonna come on that final day when he comes in his glory and every knee will bow. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. When we go back in the scripture, it tells us that angels are ministering spirits. They are servants of the king. What is being declared here is that Jesus is not a servant. He is not a messenger. He is the king. And because he is the king, he therefore bears an authority that no servant can bear. An angel's authority is wrapped up only in the authority of the one who gives them the message. So when they bring the message, it's the message that has the authority, not the angel itself. They bear the authority of that king. But when Jesus comes, he comes not as a messenger, he comes as the king. He therefore has authority. He has authority. He is 
the king. And so the word that he brings has greater authority than the word carried by the angels because it fulfills what they brought. I want you to see this. No angel, no spiritual being, no prophet, no just messenger can come and bring a new word because they don't carry the authority of the king. Only the king can bring a new word because he is the one with authority. Are you with me? And because Jesus is king, therefore his word has power and has because he has authority in his very nature. And so he's greater. And his word is greater because he carries this authority in his nature as king. This is who he is. And so therefore he's greater than the angels. He's greater than a messenger. He's greater than any prophet. He's greater than any religious figure. He has power and he has authority because he is crowned. And everything is under his feet. And so the author just touches on this and says, I want you to see that. We don't have time to go into more detail there. But number two, we see the second reason why Jesus is greater than angels and why his word carries more power because Jesus is our champion. Let's go to verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. That word, that, that phrase, author of salvation, is a Greek word, archagon or archagon. Everyone say archagon. And what it means, a great, like in sometimes when you read this, it's transla translated founder of our salvation. But that title, author of salvation, founder of salvation, a great translation for that. And probably the best translation, as you read in some other uh, translations of the Bible, actually is champion. He is our champion. What do I mean by that? Let's go to David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Hands up if you know the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, this old story of a true story of Israel at war with the Philistines, Israel being the people of God. And Israel are there and Goliath comes every day and they stand up on the top of their hill. And what are they doing? They're shouting at each other, but they're trembling. They're terrified. They're there, you know, the knees are, they're terrified. They don't know what to do. They're like, we can't overcome this guy. He's too great an adversary. And every day Goliath comes down and mocks them. And he's like, you know, send someone. But Israel know they can't beat this guy. They know that they can't do it. They don't have the power. They don't have the capacity to defeat this adversary. And so what happens? The story says that David comes along and he basically says to him, what are you stressing out about, guys? God's on our side. And so he takes his sling. Goliath falls down. The Bible, I love how it says, and he chopped off his head. It doesn't spare detail. And Goliath, the great adversary of the, of the people of God, this giant that they could not defeat, falls to the ground and is slain at the hand of David. What is that story in the Bible for? What is it telling us? David is a type of Messiah. David is pointing to Jesus in that Jesus is the one who would come and slay an adversary that the people of God could not slay on their own behalf. What is that adversary? Sin and death. 
mean to dull the mood in this room or offend anyone. But can I tell you something? You're all going to die. At some point, all of you will die. It's a part of life. It is an adversary human, humanity cannot defeat. Some of you this morning woke up and you looked in the mirror and you saw a grey hair where there used to be a brown hair or a blonde hair or a black hair. It's just appeared. Some of you looked in there and you saw a wrinkle you hadn't seen before. Some of you looked in the mirror and you thought, what? That used to be tight. <laughs> it's not quite as tight as she used to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, it's called ageing. And despite the fact we're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars as a society trying to combat this, like desperately trying to reverse this so that we uh, fight aging, so that we prolong our life as long as we can. But the reality is none of that is ever going to work because death is an adversary that will come to us all and we can't defeat, which is why the scripture has this glorious word, but because Jesus came as our champion to defeat sin and death. And so while we will die in the flesh, while this mortal body will fall, at the, in Christ, the spirit man, which was cursed in Genesis, when we took the apple and he said, surely you will die, is now brought from death to life. And I want to proclaim over this place today and over you and your life, you will not defeat death apart from Christ. Christ is your champion. Jesus is the one who has rescued you from sin and death. He is the one who has redeemed your body from decay and in him, in his death, because he died on a cross and he took the curse of sin and death and he went down to the grave and he stomped on sin and death's head for three days, just pounding on it for a little bit. And then he came back up to life, leaving death in the grave and he is now ascended at the right hand of the Father, sent his spirit to the church that we might proclaim the glorious magnificent news that we have a champion who has defeated sin and death it's why Paul quotes this beautiful 1 Corinthians 15 oh death where is your victory where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin watch this is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the author of Hebrews saying? He's saying, friends, no angel, no prophet, no human being, no spiritual being, no one can rescue you and redeem you from your adversary, which will confront you no matter how much you busy your days, no matter how much Pantene you use in your hair or whatever cream it is you put on your skin, no matter what you do, no matter how many weights you lift, how far you run, how clean your diet is, how great your vegetable juice fast is, whatever you're doing to prolong your days, none of that will prevail. Only Christ. And so the law which came through the angels, from God through the angels to man cannot save you. It is a shadow which is pointing towards your need for a champion, for a saviour. Friends, this is why I do this job because I'm utterly convinced that apart from Christ, I am dead. 
but in Christ I have life. Life and life to the full. And gosh, I wish everyone would know it. And I wish everyone would walk in it. That we would walk in the fullness of the life that Christ has bought for us. That we would stop striving. We'd stop, you know, I'm a big, I, like I'm all about rah-rah, I love coaching and bettering myself and improving myself. And I think that's a great thing to do, you know, to be challenged and inspired. But at the end of the day, you can get all this coaching you want and all the life coaching and self-help. But all of that's going to fail. All of it. The only thing that prevails is my champion. Jesus. Jesus. He's the one who prevails. And so therefore, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No good work's going to prevail. No amount of me going and serving the elderly. No amount of me speaking well. No amount of me singing well or wiping the floors. Not, like, no good works will ever be enough because all of it will fail. The only thing that prevails is Christ and Christ glorified in what he has done in his death and resurrection. And because of that is why I serve. And that's why we should that's why we serve, not because we have to, but because he's redeemed us. We're like, ah, I want you to have my life, Lord. I get excited about these things at times. Jesus is our champion and therefore he is greater. Third, Jesus is our brother. Verse 11 and 12. Both the one who makes men holy through, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is holy. We're made holy by his blood. We are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed. Someone say ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And it goes on and on. Jesus is not ashamed, but he is our brother. Friends, I want you to understand something that only a brother can bear our burden. Only a brother can bear our burden. Like, the reason we are saved is because the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God Himself, bore flesh and became like one of us and dealt with an issue that only He could deal with. He had to become like us in order to redeem us. He had to know what we go through. He had to suffer as we suffer. He had to endure what we endure so that we could be redeemed from our state. Jesus is our brother. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows your situation. He knows your struggle. He knows your successes. He knows your hopes. He knows your failures. He knows it all and he loves you. And this is the beautiful picture of the prodigal son. That beautiful story where the son goes to the father and says, I want nothing to do with you, just your money. And so he runs off and he lives the life that he lives and he squanders it on prostitutes and he squanders it doing whatever the heck he's doing. It's just, a, it's a picture of someone rejecting God and saying, I don't want you. But here's the beautiful thing, that what happens when the son realizes that, what am I doing? This is nonsense. And it says he turns and in that moment he resolves, he says, I will become like one of my father's hired hands. I will become a servant. But what does the father do? He hitches up his robe and he runs and he embraces 
the son. And he doesn't say, yes, you can be my servant. He grabs a robe and he puts the robe on him and he puts a ring on his finger and he puts sandals of freedom on his feet and he says, you are not a hired hand, you are a son. And that is the message to the church that you are a part of God's family. The Bible says that we have been made heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, that we are seated with Christ on high. It's why the Bible says that we in Christ on that day will actually judge the angels because we are Christ's brothers and sisters. We are a part of the family of God. Angels are just ministering spirits in all their magnificence and glory. That's all they are. Jesus is greater. He is greater. And his word which redeems and sets us free is therefore greater than the law. Jesus is our brother and therefore, therefore, he is greater. The fourth one, Jesus is our priest. Verse 17, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, those of you who were last week will remember that I said the thing about the book of Hebrews, the author assumes knowledge. He's assuming that people have a great grasp of the law and of the Old Testament, right? Now, I recognize that in this room, not everyone has that great grasp. So when he talks about being a priest, for the people hearing this, they're like, bam, whoa, that's amazing. And some of us hear the word priest and we think of some dude with a white collar around his neck just standing there telling him to do Hail Marys, yeah? It's a different thing. What he's talking about here when he's talking about a priest, a priest is a person who stood in the place, who stood in the gap between man and God. A priest is someone who uh, stood there on behalf of the people and administered a sacrifice from the person so that the person would be cleansed before the presence of God. But the priest was just a man. The priest himself was fallen, which is why they even had to perform sacrifices for themselves. So this priest is God, it's just like, I want you to appreciate this. If you walked into the temple, which was this glorious building in ancient times, it was disgusting. Blood everywhere. Like a slaughterhouse, disgusting. Why? Because it was supposed to reveal to us the nature of our sin and our fallenness. That we walk in there and we just see just blood and sacrifice and stuff everywhere. We're like, whoa, this is too much. Because it says, this is what you deserve before the presence of a holy God. But I will stand in the gap and I will make atonement for you that you can go into your world knowing that you are forgiven. Here's the thing. The priest had to do that day after day after day after day. Jesus did it once for all on the cross. Jesus did it once for all that in Christ, we are found before God as righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of any work that I have done, not because of anything that I have achieved, but because of what He has done as my champion. And because he's my champion, I am, the Bible says I'm hid with Christ on high. And so when God looks at us, he sees us in Christ, if we are in Christ. 
And instead of looking at us and going, oh, you stuffed up there, like instead of seeing what is tainted and foolish and ruined, which is true for all of us, he sees the finished work of his son and he says something so magnificent, I can't wait for the day. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter your rest. Oh, there's so much on that. To be hid with Christ on high, to have God see me as he sees his son because of what the son has done, not because of what I have done. That I might not suffer death, but I might be brought from death to life for all of eternity and spend my days worshipping and glorifying the very one who did it on my behalf. Because he was not ashamed of me. He was not ashamed of me. How often are we ashamed of people or ashamed of siblings? I remember my sister once saw me when I was in starting of year eight and I was there with my uniform in tight, my backpack strapped as tight as I possibly could strap it, maintaining excellent postural position, walking along and she just looked at me, she was like, oh my God. She's like, you are a year eight, aren't you? She was ashamed of me. She just wanted to walk away from me. Jesus is not ashamed of us. Jesus looks at us in all our fullness, in all our sin, in all our muck, in all our shame, and he says, I am here for you. Receive what I have. And because of this, because of this, band, you can come up and we're going to close. Because Jesus is greater, because Jesus is our king, because Jesus is our champion, because Jesus is our brother, because Jesus is our priest, the author of Hebrews lays out a really simple take home. A real simple thing that he says, here's what I want you to get from all of this. This knowledge is fantastic. Yes, Jesus is greater. So what? What are we to do? Go to chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Pay attention. Pay attention. That is the word. Pay attention. To what? To all of this. To the gospel. Some of you have sat in chapels and devotions and church services and you've gone through the motion time after time after time and it's never compelled you to once pay attention here's the word pay attention because this is salvation this is the answer to the cravings of the soul this is the answer to the death we cannot defeat pay attention why? And this is the word to the church right now, to believers, so that you will not drift away. Notice the word drift. What he's not talking about here, he's not saying, hey, one day you wake up and all of a sudden you're totally anti-God and smoking pot and sleeping around and living a life completely contrary to the call of God in your life. No, no, that doesn't happen. What does happen is surely... Day by day, little by little, we just drift in the current of the world. I've got such a vivid memory of me being out at Boomer Beach as a teenager. 
swim out, get out the back, finally, after being dumped a thousand times. Swimming away, having a great time. The next thing I knew, I was no longer at Boomer Beach, but I was at Knights. For those of you who know Knights, there is just rocks everywhere. And I finally looked up and I realised, uh-oh, I am a long way off the course where I started. And if I stay here and I keep doing this, I am going to end up with my head smashed against those rocks and that is not going to go well for me. So I've got to swim back against the current to get to where I'm supposed to be. And this is what's true in the spiritual life because what happens to us is, it's, is this, the gentle current of the world. When we fix our eyes on all the things of the world, it is so easy to drift in the current of this world. It's so easy just to, not to, you know, it's not a radical thing. It's just a gentle drifting away from what God would have for us. And the author of Hebrews is saying, be aware of this. Be aware how easy it is to drift, how easy it is to lose our way. Be aware of that and fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, there was my dad on the beach. He was supposed to be the one I was supposed to just keep looking at. You know, just keep looking at me and you'll know if you're drifting. Look up. Oh, there he is. I better come back a little bit. And this is true for us with Christ. There he is. He's saying, just keep your eyes on me because this is where I want you. You're not created to be dashed against the rocks. You're not to be created to be destroyed by the currents of this world. No, you're created to swim out the back and to just enjoy the life I've given you no matter what comes your way. Trial, temptation, difficulty, knowing that life is found in me. And so it's a powerful word to the church, whatever you're going through. If you are suffering right now, if you're being tempted right now, if life is difficult, if you're waking up in the morning and you're saying, God, where are you? Why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not responding to the cry of my heart? Where are you? And what God is saying to us is stop looking at the current. But look to Jesus, the author and perfecter. Look to the cross because the evidence of where He is is right there on a blood-stained cross of our champion who took on death that we might know life. And so when we put our eyes there, no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial, what difficulty in life, and you will have them because the Bible promises that, but whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your world right now, when you see Jesus high and lifted up, dying on a cross, descending and raised up to who He is, that is all we need in that moment to say, yet will I praise you because you have come through for me. You have delivered me and you will deliver me because you have defeated a giant and therefore I have life and life to the full. Friends, this is the word to the church. Jesus is greater. So please pay attention. Please, please is what he's doing. You picture him on his knees, pay attention. Stop looking at the current and start looking to Christ. Let's look to our Savior, our King, our champion, our brother who's not ashamed. You can't make him ashamed. 
and our priest who intercedes for us before the Father. May we be a church who fix our eyes on Jesus. And I pray for you guys. I don't know where you're at in life right now. I don't know what you're going through. But I pray today for a revelation that just maybe today will cause you to stop and will cause you to look up and see that giant in all his ferocity and that you would realize that I need a champion. Nothing else will sustain me. Nothing else will save me, only Christ. So come to him. Give your life to him. Surrender to him. Say, you know what? Yep. I need you. And say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. There's nothing you have to do. No standard you have to meet. Just come as you are. And He'll wrap you up. And you walk in the fullness of the freedom that He has brought to you. For His glory. For all eternity. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you guys and pray for me. Father, I just pray for us in this world. Lord, for everyone here who is just looking at the currents of this life and just for a moment needs a reminder. Father, we thank you for this beautiful book of Hebrews, writing to a people just like us who needed a reminder just like us where you, where's your gaze? Where are you drifting? Where are you drifting? And so, Father, I pray today that by the power of your Spirit, you would just stir our hearts to look up. Stir our hearts just to draw us back to that place where our eyes are fixed on you. So that we would not be dashed against the rocks. But that we would walk in the pure freedom and life that you have bought for us in Christ. So Father, we just take a moment just to turn our gaze towards you again and thank you and worship you and honour you for who you are and what you've done. And Father, for anyone here in this place right now who you're just stirring their heart to say, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Stop striving. This adversary I've already defeated. So come to me to find life. Come to me. Come to me. The author of your salvation, that you might walk in that salvation and not ignore it. For how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation. We rest in you, Lord. I just want to give you guys a chance right here today that if there's anyone here, and we're going to close all of our eyes and just make sure this is a sacred space, I'm not going to ask anyone to come for, but if that's you in this place and you're like, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to begin a new journey with Him. 
I'm just going to invite you just to pop your hand up for a second then put it straight back down and I'm going to pray for you. Is there anyone here who's like, yeah, awesome. Praise God. All right, church, we're going to pray together with one loud voice as we celebrate together. Everyone repeat after me. We say, dear Lord, thank you for life in Christ. You are my king. You are my champion. You are my brother. You are my priest. Today I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with this community of hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's celebrate. Praise God. We're going to sing. Hey, if there's anyone here who would love prayer after this service, we'd love to pray with you. So we're going to head over there. We'll have a team over there. If you just want to come and connect, we'd love to pray. We just love praying with people. So we'd love to do that. But let's worship our great God, our champion, our king, our brother and our priest. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.